we've been talking about how to be happy. So, I'm, you know, all, all, well, for the last several weeks, I've been thinking about this and thinking about, like, how happy am I? And, like, Friday morning, I was, uh, I was driving to go do jujitsu with Danny for the first time. It was like 5 5.30 in the morning, and I, I had to stop into the gas station. And, um, you know, I was like, I was thinking about, like, you know, I'm about a six right now in happiness. I'm, you know, a little above average. I had a good breakfast, like all of you have had by 5.30 in the morning. And, um, you know, got uh, music's going, and I'm, I'm getting ready to try something new. And, and so here I am filling up my car, and this big truck pulls up in the pump next to me. And this guy pulls out of his truck and immediately lights up a cigarette. Like, I don't think you're supposed to do that at a gas station, right? And I thought, man, how is it that this random stranger has the opportunity to take my happiness down to a zero really quick? Because if this whole place blows up, nobody's going to be happy. Uh, but I want you to think about this. Uh, for yourself, scale of 1 to 10, I want you to just write down on your paper, how happy are you right now? 1 to 10, how happy are you? And then think of, wherever you're at, think of one thing that would make you happier. Yeah. So I'm not going to quiz you on that. That's just for you. But the thing is this, everybody wants to be happy. I've met unhappy people, but I haven't met people that want to be unhappy. And when, like, when we look on social media, um, we see that people are happy when they... They, they post, usually post when they're happy, and they're happy when they stay in nice hotels, and they're happy when they lay on the beach, and people are happy when they look beautiful, and they're, they're happy when they eat a great meal, and when they achieve a goal. And the problem often is when, when we see other people happy, it makes us unhappy. Have you experienced that? Like, I'm not enjoying that great meal. I'm not tan like she is. I, I'm not on that beach Okay, well, that one's for people that don't live here, okay? So we can just go to the beach. It's right there. But other people, like, I'm not in Florida. Um, I don't have nice shoes like that. I'm not as beautiful as they are. And, and sometimes when we compare ourselves to others, it makes us less happy when we see people being happy. But it seems like the opposite should be true. When we see people unhappy, it should make us happy, right? <laughs> Look at that fool with the flat tire. <laughs> it, it's, uh, right? It, maybe, uh, it shouldn't make you, but or you, hey, oh man, she has to have her wisdom teeth taken out. Oh, I feel great about my life. Actually, when, when Aria had her wisdom teeth fell, taken out, it made us all feel good because the cool videos that uh, we got to see of her uh, acting like she had her wisdom teeth taken out. Uh, but, <laughs> but when, so but when, usually when we see people sad, it, it makes us sad. When we see people happy, it makes us sad. When we see people sad, it makes us sad. And so uh, what's going to make us happy? The, things, the problem with things that, these things that make us happy is they're, they're fleeting, right? And so this is not the kind of happiness that we're talking about. Like, like, I love getting something new, right? I mean, come on, who doesn't love an Amazon delivery? Like, even if I order something boring like socks. Now, some of you have cool socks. I do not. My socks are all the same. They're black. They're boring. I get them all the same, so when it's time to fold socks, I don't have to look for the random one. They're all, every sock matches every sock. That's just how it is, right? Uh, and then I have some nice dress socks that are random, but those are few and far between that I wear those. So, uh, uh, but, but even, you know, on Amazon, you can, like, you can have it in three days, or you can have it overnight between four and seven in the morning, like, 
Well, I want to get that delivery of socks. I got enough socks to last me a week, but man, it just feels good to get something new, right? Come on, you guys with me? It just feels good. Even boring stuff, it's like, oh, I got my stuff, right? And we just love opening and getting something new. We all love that. It just releases endorphins of like newness, endorphins, uh, if that's, that's a scientific term uh, that I just made up. But the problem with something new is eventually it loses its shine. The leather cracks. The socks get a hole in them, uh, especially if you're Asa. I, I'm not picking on Ari and Asa, uh, but uh, <laughs> the screen, you know, the screen cracks. The stuff wears out, and then the happiness fades. And so, what Jesus is talking about, what we've been talking about, is this idea of blessed. And it's, if you look up hashtag blessed, it's not the same as what Jesus talks about. This kind of joy is a better word. Something that persists regardless of the circumstances that are going on around us. Uh, it's, it's this deep sense of being blessed, which means you have favor, divine favor and protection from God. That's what it means to be blessed. And so we've been looking specifically at the Beatitudes, which are the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And each of the Beatitudes starts with blessed are. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And today we're looking at blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And now when we Think about meek, right? When, when we first read this, blessed are the meek, it seems like blessed are those who are stepped on in life. Blessed are those who get people, who have people picking on you. Blessed are you when people shove you around because someday you're going to be in heaven. And in heaven, nobody's going to give you a wedgie anymore. In heaven, nobody's going to put you down. So blessed are you because someday you get to go to heaven. So just hang on, you weaklings. Someday it's going to be okay. And the problem is, meekness is, is not a word we use a lot, in part because it's so misunderstood. Right? Meekness is not something that we tend to desire or something we use to describe ourselves. In a job interview, if they ask you, hey, what, what is it that you have to offer this company? People don't say, you know, I've got a lot of meekness going on. There's, there's just a lot of meekness up in here, and that's what I have to bring. People don't say that because we think of meekness as weakness. I mean, they even rhyme, right? Meek and weak. They, they seem to go together. But, but let's, uh, I, I want us to really understand this today. So um, what I want you to do, um, I'm going to give you 15 seconds. Uh, so two, two, I want you to turn to the person next to you. You each get 15 seconds. Tell, tell the person next to you who your favorite superhero is and why. Okay, go. All right. Did anyone have a superhero that's like not... Not Batman, not Iron Man, not Thor, like not one of the main ones, a weird one. Oh, Kurt, we got a weird one. Who is it? Desmond Doss. Yeah, they made a movie about Desmond Doss. Yeah, great. So that's a real life superhero. Leave it to Kurt to pick out a real military guy. All right. Uh, awesome. No, I agree. Nightcrawler. Okay. Why do you like Nightcrawler? Teleport. Okay, that'd be a cool power to have. Yeah. So. I would propose to you that pretty much every superhero movie is ultimately about meekness. And I'll tell you why. Here's the thing is this. Meekness, we think of meekness as weak, but meekness actually is this. Meekness is strength under control. I wasn't supposed to give you number two there. So anyway, you could cheat and get ahead of me a little bit. <laughs> I messed up on the slide. But meekness is strength under control. So if we watched a superhero movie and we asked 
Who are the meek ones? We might say, well, the citizens, because they do nothing. All they do is cry and huddle together, and, and the, the superheroes have to get them out of the way so they can just punch their way and throw cars around and beat the bad guy. And so the, the, the citizens, they're the meek ones because they're weak. They have no powers. They have no lasers that can shoot out of their eyes, so we just have to get them out of the way. But the thing is this, um, that... Meekness is strength under control. You actually have to have strength to be meek. So the citizens cannot be meek. They're just weak. When I, when I think of weak, like Danny used to have this scooter that at, it could do, its top speed was 35 miles an hour. And 35 miles an hour if you were going down a steep hill, okay? Um, and, and so that, that scooter wasn't meek, it was weak. Right? But if you think of like a Hayabusa, the, the fastest, the world's fastest production motorcycle can hit 194 miles an hour. And you do not want to go 194 miles an hour on a motorcycle. Actually, one guy modified his and hit uh, about 300 miles an hour on his Hayabusa. Um, but, but imagine you, you're cruising along on Down Park or Almerton or something. This guy comes by on a Hayabusa, 100 miles an hour, just zipping out of traffic, running red lights, you know, barely hitting, almost hitting people's mirrors, splitting the lanes, and you're like, wow, that guy is powerful. That bike is powerful. But the thing is this, the guy's out of control. He's not meek either. He's got strength, but he's out of control because he's going nuts 100 miles an hour. Actually, anything, if you're doing 55 miles an hour in Pinellas County, you're flying. You're going way too fast. We don't go that, in the whole county, you can't go that fast, right? Unless you're on the freeway. Um, it, just, it just feels, anything over 30 miles an hour since I've moved to Florida, it just feels like fast. Um, but, but he's not meek either. And so, um, and then, and then we look at, at like, the, we've seen so many Christians that have, have tried to, like, abuse people with political power. Like, there are Christians that have stood outside of, of clubs with signs that are outside of parades or festivals with signs that say, like, God hates fags. And, like, that's not meek. That's trying to use some kind of leverage or religion to beat people, like, with a club. That's, that's not meek. That's not what we're called to do. And so, um, what is, so when, we, when we look at, like, a superhero movie, right, is not, doesn't almost all superhero movies go like this? at least their origin story, right? This, this guy discovers he has some kind of power, right? He, can, he has claws that come out or laser eyes or um, he discovers he has super strength and can shoot webs. And, and then from there, he's, he, the next part after discovering the power is he's trying to figure out how to use that power so he doesn't injure himself or other people. Right? Is that not kind of the, the role of it? Trying to control their power, how to bring that strength under control. They're trying to learn meekness. Now, that's the, only the first part of meekness. The second part, well, you already put up there, is using their strength for the benefit of others. Using your strength for the benefit of others. And so, if you have the ability to help, but you do nothing, that's not meek. That's weak. With great power comes great responsibility. You guys saw Spider-Man. Okay, so <laughs> strength out of control or strength used for selfish purposes to control or manipulate, that's not meekness either. That would be like the villain, right? They have strength that's out of control or strength that's used to manipulate or control others. So, uh, okay, again, back to superhero movies. You think of the Hulk, right? 
What are they trying to do with the Hulk? They're always trying to, they want to unleash him to destroy the bad guys, but he's going he's gonna to destroy everything else in the way. Citizens, buildings, cars. And so they're trying to restrain him to try to harness that strength, to try to channel that strength in the right direction. They're trying to teach the Hulk meekness, right? Or Tony Stark, when he was first introduced, right? He was just this creative genius who's rich, he's, he's good looking, and he uses everything he has, all his charisma, to get women to just cruise, to do whatever makes him happy, right? By the end of the series, we see him using his power and sacrificing his own life to save people. He discovered meekness. Okay, does that help us understand what meekness really is? It's strength under control. Meekness is something that we should aspire to. Like when I, so when I looked up, I'm like, I'm just going to get a verse image to put blessed are the meek. And almost all the verse images had sheep, had little lambs, had like dandelions and soft things. I'm like, this is not it at all but I'm going to use one of them, but uh, it's like, that's not it at all. And so I, I, here's the thing. I would propose to you that this, the greatest pain that you have had in your life was because someone's strength was not harnessed properly, that they used their influence, their strength, their position to control, to manipulate, to, to get something they wanted and not consider you. And when, when meekness isn't there, People get hurt. People get hurt. And, and it's a tragedy, right? Um, and if you'd ask that person, it's like they were just doing what made them happy. But their strength was not under control, and it was not for the benefit of others. And, and maybe you would say, that person was me who harmed others, right? And we've, we've had this tragedy in our country. There have been 16 mass shootings in the last 10 days. At last night, actually, there was another shooting. So we can say 17. And in Uvalde, there was a young man who had power. He had powerful weapons, right? He was out of control. And then there were police officers who stood by for 40 minutes and did nothing. They had power, but they did nothing. Neither one was meekness. Till the border patrol defied the police officers, went in, took out the shooter. They were the definition of meekness. Strength under control, used for the benefit of others. That's meekness. That's meekness. Meek isn't weak. Tomorrow's Memorial Day. This is a day that we honor those who are meek. Yeah? Those who are under the authority of the, of the government, under their commanding officers, and have strength. They've trained, they've been armed, and they have used their strength to go out to defend others. We, to, tomorrow is a day to honor those who are the meekest in our country. And it sounds weird because it sounds like weakest, and it's totally the opposite. And so, when we think of Jesus, Jesus described himself as meek. Matthew eleven twenty nine says, "Take my yoke upon me. Take, sorry, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart." and you will find rest for your souls. That word humble in heart is in the Greek is preos, and it's the same word that Jesus used when he said, blessed are the meek. So it means meek. Jesus says, I am humble, I'm, I'm gentle and meek. 
And, and Jesus wasn't weak. Demons were terrified of him. Storms would calm down when he told that storm, shush, knock it off. The storms would calm down. When they came to arrest Jesus, and they, Jesus said, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said, I am he. All the soldiers fell over backwards. The temple guards, they, they, piled up, they fell over in a, a heap of soldiers. That's power. That's power. And, and when, when Peter cut off Malchus' ear, Jesus said, Peter, put away your sword. Do you not think I can call on my father who will put at my disposal 12 legions of angels? A legion was the largest military unit of the Roman army. There were 50 to 100 foot soldiers and 300 horsemen. So that means Jesus says, in an instant, I can have 66,000 plus angels here. There is no military in the world that can stand up to 66,000 angels. Jesus is not weak, but he described himself as meek. He was strength under control. So um, a couple weeks ago, um, this kindergarten teacher in Nashville, her name is Rachel Davis. She was out on the playground um, with her, her class, her kindergarten class, and there was this guy on the other side of the, side of the fence, and, he's like, and he, started, he just started walking around weird, and she's like, I got to watch out for this guy. And he just, he just kind of gave her this weird vibes, and so she's like, hey, she told her assistant, line up the students, get them inside. And this guy started saying, I got to come in there. I got to get in there. I got, and she's, it, she was freaking out. She's like, get the students inside. And so they, they hurried the students inside. And this guy jumped the fence and started coming towards her, towards the students, towards the school. And she's five foot five, 130 pounds, a little like just very petite, small, you know, uh, small lady um, and just very like gentle. And, and, but she stood up. She's like, no, sir, you're not coming in here. No. And he kept coming. And she's like, oh no. And she jumped on his back and like, no. And she's like, squeezed him as hard as she could. And he just kept going, like walking into the classroom and, and um, shook her off and like started going, continued down the hallway. And she said something in me snapped. And she ran at him and she tackled him. It's like, boom, took him down. And he threw her off. She broke her wrist. But then um, she, like she restrained, she, she, she has slowed him down enough that other, other teachers came in and tackled this guy and they held him down for 10 minutes till the police arrived. Crazy, huh? So she thought she was weak. She thought she had no power, but in the moment she's like, I'm going to use what I got <laughs> to stop this guy. Now he wasn't armed. He was just on drugs. He thought people were trying to, he, th he was, thought he was coming in the school to find a safe space from people that were seeking to harm him wasn't so safe with Rachel Davis on the clock, right? But um, all, all the parents are like, she is our hero. So they're like bringing her all these goodies and stuff. And man, especially in light of everything else, they're like, man, that is meekness. You might, before understanding the definition of meek, people would look at her and like this small little petite kindergarten teacher who's just very organized and like, oh, she's meek. Yes, she is, but not in the way we think of meekness. She was meek because she had a strength she didn't know she had and used it for the benefit of others. Use young single people. I, I, I know that many of you are praying that God would bring along the right one. And I would just challenge you in this. The number one quality you're looking for isn't beautiful eyes, isn't a nice booty, isn't uh, big arms. The, the number one quality you're looking for isn't a great job. The number one quality you need to look for is meekness. Meekness. Someone whose strength is under control. Someone who will use that strength for the benefit of others. 
Something I've seen in Kathy over and over and over is her using her influence to help people achieve things, to help people get to a higher position, to help people get good jobs, to help people move forward in life. That's what meekness is. It's using your influence, your strength, to help other people. And so here's the question. How, how then can we be meek? If meekness is a good thing, as if we truly understand it, it's a great thing. It's something we need to aspire to. How do we get there? Meekness is a term that is used in horse racing. They, because they will say the, the meekest horse wins the race. Because a wild horse is powerful, but it's also destructive. You see the movies where they try and like wrangle up the wild horse and the cowboys are like trying to lasso his neck and round him in and that horse is like, and like harming people and they're getting thrown around and tossed and he breaks the fence and runs off and the wild horse. But it's when he's broken, when he's tamed, he's meek. Same amount of power, hasn't lost any power, but now that horse, you can ride him. You can use him to pull a plow. We don't do that anymore, but you can, right? You can use him to pull a load, to pull a wagon. You can use him to delight a child because he's under control. You can put a kid up there. You can, you, you can win a race on that horse. He's the meekest horse. Same power as a wild horse, but harnessed so he can actually accomplish a purpose. Can actually be useful, purposeful, because he's submitted. See, in the kingdom of God, Everything is backwards from what we might think. If you want to lead, serve. If you want to be honored, take the place of least importance. If you want to be great, stoop low. If you want to be happy, don't depend on yourself. Depend on God. If you want freedom, surrender. If you want to live powerfully, you have to live submitted. To be meek is to be submitted to a power higher than your own. Romans 14.8 says, If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. It's this idea of, of living surrendered under God's authority. It's when we just try and live on our own authority, by our own rules, that we, <laughs> we damage people ourselves. We damage other people. And, and oftentimes it's done because we're running after happiness. I'm running after what makes me happy. I'm going to run after what gives me pleasure. But, but we're not living surrendered. We're not living submitted. We're running wild and we hurt things. And we don't accomplish what we're designed to accomplish because we lack meekness, because we're not surrendered. But, but if we're surrendered, then we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And with that power, we need to leverage it for the benefit of others. If we, if we look at Romans 14.8, if we continue to Romans 15.1, it says, those who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good, to build them up, for even Christ did not please himself. I want to take you to the greatest act of meekness in human history. Jesus, the most powerful being in the universe, the creator of the universe. He was about to be arrested, taken to the cross, and die for us all. And just before that, he gathered his disciples together. And now they had been arguing about who was the best disciple, who was the greatest. 
Maybe they also had in there which disciple had the best fashion sense or the best hair or the best breath or uh, the best cook, the strongest disciple, whichever one could do the most push-ups, whichever one could catch the most fish. I don't know. They're just arguing over which one was the best, right? Which one was the funniest? I, I don't know what categories they're using, but which one's the best disciple? And um, Jesus took them and he, he said, you want to be great? You want to be the best? Here's the path. And he, he knelt down and he took off their sandals and he washed their feet. He took on the role of a servant. He modeled meekness. Infinite power, infinite strength. Serving, taking on the role of the servant. Washing their feet. And the question I want us to ponder is this. Who are the people that God is calling us? And I want you to think of this for you. Who, is the people, who are the people that God is calling you to serve, to leverage your influence for? And, and again, this is, this is not the first time we've pondered this question by any means. But, but the idea is that God has placed people in your life to be a strength for, to be a light for perhaps to be a, a voice of justice for, to be a rescuer for. Maybe there's people that you're burdened by. And you might feel like I'm not very strong. I don't have a whole lot of power. But God's saying, if you live surrendered to me, I'm going to give you my spirit, and I'm going to give you all the power you need to fulfill the calling that I place on your life, the, the burdens that I place on your heart, you feel weak, but I just need you to take some steps of surrender. I need you to take some steps of obedience. And as you take those steps, as you move in that direction, I'm going to continue to fill you with my spirit. And I'm going to bring other people along and, and we're going to accomplish some things you didn't think you could accomplish. But it starts with a burden. And that's. That's ministry. Like what we're doing today, we don't call this ministry. We call this worship. We call this fellowship. We call this, this a time of encouragement. But it's when we leave today that we, we have to go with the idea that we are ministers. We were Christ's ministers. We've been, we've been given a calling and a, and a gifting. And, and for us to say it's weak would be to say that, that God's gifting on us is inadequate. It could be untrained and undeveloped, but it's not inadequate and it's not weak. And God's placed something in you. He's placed, he's placed a power source inside of you, his very self, his very spirit that he wants to ignite and use and grow. But God likes to work best through people that start walking in the direction that he's calling them to. So you start with a little power and you're going to find that God's going to give you more and God's going to God's going to use you in a way. He wants to use you in a way that you look back and be surprised. Like I never thought God could use me in that way. I th never thought God could do that through me. But don't limit God. Don't limit God and what he wants to do. And maybe the second question is, is potentially more important. What do you need to do to surrender? What do you need to surrender to Jesus? Because to be meek is to live surrendered, to walk surrendered to Jesus. 
And it's just the human condition that we all have that there's parts of our lives that we have a hard time surrendering to Jesus. And it's, it's just different for different people, right? We have different strengths, different weaknesses, different parts. Like some people struggle to give God uh, the full control of their money. Other people don't care. Take it all. I don't, I don't got it any, anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> you can have it all, God. 100% of zeros, it's still 100%, right? Um, you can have it all. Other people, it's their, their dreams, their plans. Or just different, different temptations, different, different things we want to hold on to, different corners of our heart. Strength under control means we're surrendered. We, we give those things up. We, we don't hang on to those things. We continue to open them up to God. And you might feel like, I've done that. I've surrendered everything to God. But it's, this is a daily thing. So if you surrendered everything to God a year ago and, and five years ago and a week ago, awesome. We need to surrender again. And there's a promise that those who are surrendered will be the ones that inherit the earth. They're going to be the ones who live in the kingdom of God. Jesus said that there's going to be a day when, when everyone's before him. And he says, not, this is Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And Jesus is saying, you're not going to live in the kingdom then because you're not living in the kingdom now. You don't, you don't know me. You're not living surrendered to me. But here's what it looks like. Jesus called his disciples and the crowd to him, and he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. For what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can someone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my word in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes with his Father's glory with the holy angels. We're going to do, I'm going to invite the worship team forward. But we're going to have a time of communion. And again, this, this is not going to be a surprise to any of you that have been here for any length of time. But, but communion is, is something that we do as a family of God. And it's a, communion is a, there's a few things. One is a celebration. It's a celebration of Christ's death and resurrection. It's a celebration of his sacrifice for us. But it's also a time of reflection, a, a time to ask God, God, what are the, heart, the parts of my heart? Would you just examine, would you just take a look, and would you just tell me what's inside that is not surrendered to you? And it's a time to Surrender that up to Jesus. It's a time to give that up to him. So the way we do communion is while the worship team is playing, at any time during the song, you can come on up, you can tear off a piece of bread, 
Or you can take the whole loaf if you're really hungry. Just leave some, make sure there's some for other. Um, you, don't take the whole thing. Uh, you take a cup. You can, you can find someone to pray with. You can find myself. You can find Kathy. You can find anyone. You could, you could take communion by, here by yourself. You could take communion up here. You can go. But it's, it, I just, it's this time for, for God to speak to you and you to allow God to examine your heart and, and just continue to be reminded of his grace. That when we fall short, when we fail, when we look back and say, you know, I, I wanted to live surrendered. I wanted to do better, but I did not. But God, I thank you for your grace. Help me walk in your strength this week. Yeah. I'm going to have Kathy pray for us. And um, then we're going to go into our time of worship and communion.